What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition, episode two of Field Stormers, the official college football show brought to you by Off The Ball Network. I am your host, Mo Murphy, with my co-host or host host, however you want to look at it, Walker Bailey. And we got a special guest in the building today because this show was inspired by Off The Ball Network. It's brought to you by Off The Ball Network. And who's better to bring on for episode two? We got the VP last week, Jeff, for episode one. We got the president of Off The Ball Network, Chris LeBron, host of the Off The Ball podcast, owner of the Off The Ball Network, the man with the plan, the man that has made all these things happen over the past two years. Chris, what's going on, bro? Hey, man. Appreciate you guys having me on. Um, unfortunately, my my team is not like your guys' teams, you know, that are undefeated. And, you know, so, you know, uh, I was reluctant to come on, but, you know, so it was always fun to chop it up and, and talk ball. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's college football at the end of the day. Some teams are better than others. I know it's unfortunate. For me, typically my team is in the conversation, especially going into week six. Mo, um, Mo, much you know every year. It's like, I always refer back to obviously the, the Fiesta Bowl of, uh, of 20, of, you know, 2002 uh, Fiesta Bowl. And it's crazy how that, you guys, that's big. That was the beginning of your guys' kind of like run, and that yeah, was the of our dynasty. And it's just crazy how it's been what twenty years since that game, twenty one, whatever. And my team still hasn't found that. And you guys have obviously won a couple national, you know, couple, you know, national championships and had a lot of success. So screw your team, um, and Walker. Cool, your team. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like, like your team's cool. You got yeah. nice colors. I know we do. We we do have that, and we have have excellent uh, colors. It's a fun. It's a uh, it's a fun brand. Like got a fun head coach too. Like how can you root against Lane and his dog right now? Like Lane is cool, man. Lane is cool. I mean, he keep he he's gonna constantly get head coaching jobs, like no matter what. Like oh, and like that's kind of the worst part about like there's not bad parts about him being here, but it's like every major head coaching job that opens up. Even if it makes uh, no Miami, <laughs> yeah, like even if it makes no logical sense for him to leave, yeah. Ole, like he gets mentioned with Nebraska, and it's like, who the hell is going from Ole Miss to Nebraska Ew. for Ew. what? Like, so I mean, that's yeah, it's just gonna, it's constant, but that's the only downside. But other than that, like the guy clearly knows what he's doing. Like, I mean, this was supposed to be a quote unquote rebuilding year, and here they are. <laughs> so yeah, and that's something we always talked about was like, you know, like maybe. Through, through everybody's early downfalls, right? Like, maybe Lane Kiffin is just a, a very good to great college head coach. Like, he had his times early on, and everybody in this... Guys like him is why I say, like, you deserve a second chance, and sometimes maybe even a third chance. Like, when you mess up young, that doesn't define the rest of your life. Lane Kiffin, i.e. Lane Kiffin. Like, now he has a winning program. Ole Miss could do some big things this year, so... You know, shout out to Lane Kiffin for kind of turning around. Basically, he was one of those guys. He failed. He went to Alabama. He revived his his himself, and he revived his career. And now he's building some great stuff at Ole Miss. So we can before, jump into the recap of that game real quick since we're going there. I mean, well, hold that on. Was, that was a great go, game. We're not going to go to the Ole Miss yet, but we are going to go to last week. So kind of talking about last week, where I want to go first. We always, anytime we talk Ole Miss, we go last because Walker being one of the hosts of this show is a big Ole Miss guy. So we always shoot it to him to talk to Ole Miss and we kind of, we go from Ole Miss and lead it to the next topic. So last week 
my biggest thing, we'll go through everybody, but I'm going to go first. My biggest takeaway from last week is people like myself and, and Zach from the Blue Bloods and pretty much everybody else at Off the Ball Network and pretty much everybody else in the rest of the world. I think we're starting to realize, like, it's not a one, two, three race and then everybody else. Like, Georgia kind of got scared by Kent State. Obviously, we kind of pretty much knew they weren't going to lose that game. But at the end of the day, like, it was a lot closer than it should have been. And then they go and barely beat Missouri in a game where you could have really seen Missouri win that game. So Georgia kind of on a downfall the past two weeks, still think they're one of the top three, four teams in the country, still think they deserve to be there, still think they can right the ship. And at the end of the day, through all that, they're still undefeated. But that was kind of my telling thing last week is like we pointed out a lot of teams like we say Ohio State didn't play great. They still won 49 to 10. Georgia didn't play good at all by any standards of a national title contender, but they still came out with the win. Alabama kind of played a little shaky a little bit, but still had a big win against a good team. Out of the top three teams, they had the tougher test and they prevailed probably harder than anybody else. But for me, I don't think the top three teams that came into the season are as separated from the rest of the pack as we thought they would be going into the season. I mean, we had Clemson at four, and the thought was just throw anybody at four because it doesn't matter who the fourth best team in the, is in the country. They don't have an opportunity to win the national championship. It's Bama, it's Georgia, it's Ohio State, and that's it. And we kind of write off everybody else. But then we've seen the Ole Misses look good. We've seen, you know, until Kentucky lost to Ole Miss, we've seen Kentucky looking good. We see USC is still undefeated. Clemson is looking a lot better, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which was their biggest concern coming into the season. We said already before, myself and Walker, that DJU deserves a lot of credit for whatever improvements he's made in the offseason. But for me, like last week, the biggest thing I took away is that this college football race to the national championship is probably a little bit closer than everybody predicted going into the season. So, Walker, looking into last week, before we go to Ole Miss, like looking into last week, like what was one of your biggest takeaways from last week? Yeah, it was just, it was honestly kind of like I took away. I was kind of like, wow, like, I mean, if Bryce for some reason can't go for a while, Alabama's in trouble. Like all of a sudden, I mean, they go to uh, Tennessee next week and, or not next week as in not tomorrow, but in eight days. And if Bryce for some reason can't go, they're in a lot of trouble. And then they've still got the road trip to, uh, to Oxford later in the year. And if you watch that game in its entirety, like if you just saw the final score, you kind of thought like, okay, like they just kind of handled business. But like there was a point there, 28-23, and Alabama's got third and 15, getting ready to give the ball back to Arkansas in a raucous environment in Fayetteville. And Milrow just broke off one of those like special runs that special types of players break off. And they kind of controlled it from there. But like we're talking about like, we're talking about one play being the difference in the game there. And Arkansas just kind of ran out of gas, but they just looked vulnerable. They weren't able to move the ball through the air. I think he was like four for nine for like 67 yards or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, and his profile is that of the, like the knock on him has been that he's not a super accurate passer. So I think that they'll look better offensively this week with more in the game plan for him. If he plays Bryce Young's a game time decision, I think that like a lot of like I think he has a playbook like they have a playbook where I mean it's Nick Saban he's prepared he was prepared in August for this scenario where if his quarterback got hurt the season wasn't going to be over it's just I mean they're, I think they're clearly going to be less dynamic and we could be going back to like a more modern version of like 2011 Alabama 
where like they're going to get into these read options and quarterback keeps and a lot of this running stuff. And when you do that and you have to rely on a running game and a good defense, those games tend to be closer, which makes you more vulnerable to explosive offenses and more vulnerable to upsets because there's less possessions in the game. And so it just, they look more vulnerable to me now. I, the Georgia thing, I'm still not ready to go there. I actually think, I think this is the week finally where like Georgia reminds the country who exactly they are. Mm -hmm. Like, They've got an Auburn. They've got Auburn coming in with a lame duck coach. Like I think they're fixing to remind the world exactly. Lame, lame duck is a understatement. Like they should just fire him. Like no, and like they're not even like they're gonna wait until after the season is what I've heard is that they're not gonna do it in season. Which to me just makes we had this conversation on the first episode. Like why for what? It doesn't make, is there like a buyout thing? Like is his buyout? It's less not even a buyout team? thing. It's just like a they already know exactly who they want to hire. They know they can get him, so firing him now has serves no purpose. If he, I would be stunned if the next head coach at Auburn is not Hugh Freeze. Yeah, and that's kind of been the name attached. Couldn't they have gotten him this year though? Couldn't they have before the season? Like if that's your so guy, it's a weird thing, you know. But he's got in so much trouble at Ole Miss with the NCAA and with his university phones and stuff. And you know, there was a period of time where it was unspoken, but he was basically blackballed by Greg Sankey from coming back into the league. So when Auburn made the last hire, I think that Sankey wasn't really ready to let him back in the league. And then also Auburn's AD didn't want him and was kind of like, you know, screw the boosters. I'm going to go do my own thing, which is why he doesn't have a job anymore. And so he went and hired Harson, and it's been an abject disaster. And ever since it went into disaster mode, the boosters took over and have been doing everything they can to get him out. And so now they're finally going to get him out and, you know, this, since they're going to be the ones paying the buyout, they're going to make the next hire. I, I feel bad for him, man. He, he's well, just going to leave for a minute. Well, he'll be unemployed. He'll be unemployed for exactly like eight minutes. Like it's someone, whether it's as an analyst or an OC or something, somebody on the West Coast, which is where he's done all his work. Like, I mean, like Arizona State will come around and be like, hey, like we need a head coach and you want a ton at Boise State. Why don't you come to a – a place where you actually fit better and a place with a lot less pressure yeah. and try to come win here. So, you know, we'll see. I'm, but just other people in media and just listening to stuff, like I'd be pretty surprised if Hugh Freeze isn't the next coach at Auburn and they're going to become a cult when that happens. When brother, when brother Hugh takes over. <laughs> um, He's doing a good job at Liberty. He is, he is. And that's, uh, he just, I think he would crawl on broken glass to Auburn if they, if that's what they told him he had to do to get that job. I mean, I think he has the craving for, for the big time one more time, but there's just so much that comes with that. Like, you know, he's got a habit now and I'm sure y'all have seen it. Y'all follow college football. Like he can't go on, he can't stop searching his name on Twitter. Like he wants to reply to people. He wants to slide in people's DMS and <laughs> defend other people. And like, you just can't do that. So like, there's things that come with him. And you know he's gonna. There yeah, you go. She heard. It's she heard. Smaller. Brother, he was getting the job at Auburn. Um, but like, there's things that come with that, and you have to manage him. You can't let him do that anymore. If you're gonna manage a brand in college football, you can't be DMing people on Twitter like, "Hey, yo, like, shut the hell up, tweeting about me or whatever it is that he's telling, saying to people." Like, so we got way off base there. But like, yeah, like I think George is gonna remind everybody exactly exactly how talented they are yeah. this week they definitely bounce back man. I think so. just just to, yeah. just to say one thing like 
I know like they were supposed to beat Missouri and beat Missouri by a lot, but I, I, we tend to forget these are kids too. Like, and though that Missouri was amped up to play, like not like in the pros and all that, like we, 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 we want these teams to win. Like, like Mo Rutgers, like it wasn't enough that you guys beat them by whatever, 38, well, you went 49, 10, whatever the score was, that wasn't enough. Like you guys had to beat them by more. It's like, you know, the you guys are kids. At the end of the day, it's like we can't expect like these blowouts. Right? Georgia won, and like Jeff says, right, it's about that getting that W at the end of the column, right? You got to just win yeah. the game. They won the game, all right. At the end of the day, yeah, it wasn't the way people wanted them to win it, but they got the win. And I saw, I saw like Joe Clatt had Georgia drop from like one to five. I was like, I understand this. They they beat Missouri. They didn't beat them the way you wanted them to beat them. It was closer, but they beat them. Like, I, I think we expect too much from kids, not 18, 19 year olds. And to, like, but you know, he gave them real quick, he gave them the benefit of the doubt by keeping them number one after struggling against Kent State for that reason. Like, these are kids at the end of the day, and and you you have fall asleep games. And so he gave them the benefit of the doubt, left them at number one in last week's rankings going into the Missouri game because he's like, this is where they bounce back. They got the wake-up call. Hey, we can't be BSing around. We're the best team in the country. We got to continue to remind people why the, why we're the best team in the country. And then they basically gave up a letdown. I mean, Georgia should have lost that game. Like, they were losing until what, Walker, like four or five minutes left in the yeah. game? Like, yeah, they, they punched one in and took the lead or like mid to early fourth quarter. But, like, the problem with the, the Missouri thing is – people want to do the transitive property thing so bad. And then the people who like, they'll come out and say like, we're not going to use this. We don't believe in this. You can't use the transitive transitive property. But then people like Joel Clatt will come and drop Georgia from one to five because the illusion of Missouri is like, Oh, they got blown out by Kansas state. They haven't been super impressive. Like it's a road conference game and you are the biggest game on every SEC team, SEC East team schedule. You're going to get their best shot. And, like, yes, Georgia was a little bit sleepy, but, I mean, they were 30-point favorites on the road, and kids see that stuff. Like, well, they, we yeah. can pretend they don't, but they know. Like, they know, hey, we're, we're supposed to beat Thank these you. cats by four touchdowns and a safety. Thank you. Yeah. Like, and when, when you're a top dog, 100%. when you're a top dog team, and, like, teams like Bama, Ohio State, Georgia, um, even now, like, going into this season, like, I would say USC, who's projected to be, like, the top team in the Pac-12 uh, 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 Oklahoma's who, what, whatever you had for expectations this year, those brands, Clemson, you're getting everybody's best game every week. Like beating you and ruining your season is that bad team's national championship. Like this team might go play in Boca Raton for the who cares Papa John's bowl or the little Caesars deliver me a five dollar hot and ready bowl, but that win where they altered USC season or that win, where they altered Ohio State season and made them change the way they approach the second half of the season or that win against Bama, like, that is their national championship. And so that's one thing that I feel like sometimes, like, mainstream media doesn't understand. Like, well, and and I think that's why I've said betting, I'm not saying has ruined sports, but it's ruined how you look at wins and losses. Like, okay, Ohio State, you're 40 point favorites, but you only won by 25. You, you're <laughs> not good. You're not as good as everybody says. Like, uh, yeah, but it's like, okay, but Ohio State, like, you'll look, you'll be like, man, we got, you know, Rutgers' best gamer. 
we got Arkansas State's best game, and like we still won by 30, or we won by 25, and we got their best game. Prime examples, look at USF. USF has been blown out by literally almost everybody they played outside that one win. They came to Florida and almost beat Florida. Like they played the Gators, almost beat they're nowhere near the caliber of the Gators. But mm-hmm. for USF, that's the biggest game of the season of the regular season. Outside of teams who could compete for a national championship, so the four playoff contenders and then the five or six teams who think they are contenders, nobody's thinking about the bowl game. So, like, you're not looking at, oh, we need six wins to make sure we're bowl eligible. No, we're looking at week to week, who's the biggest game? And USF probably circled Florida and was like, hey, let's make a case to be the best team in the state of Florida by beating the Florida Gators. So, when you're one of those teams – you get everybody's best game. And so even if if you don't play your best night in and night out, which we know we get that from other teams, then when that team plays their best, which is more than likely what you're going to get, it gets a close game like 26 to 22 Georgia over Missouri. It gets to it takes a while for Ohio State to pull away from Rutgers the way you would want them to. It takes a big-time run from Alabama's backup quarterback to separate the score and kind of close out the game 28-23 against Arkansas. Like, it takes those kind because when you play that team, you'll be like, they'll never play that good for the rest of the season. Even though they don't have to play that good to beat certain teams, they'll never play that good for the rest of the season. That's sometimes what people don't understand. You you guys hit it on the head, man. I think we – like, the spreads have, like – Kind of well, messed up. Add and then like it's Florida, add and then we, and again, the transitive property thing, like when Florida bodies Missouri this weekend because Missouri predictably comes out flat because they gave everything they had last week, then we're going to do the like, we're going to try to indict Georgia for that. Yes. It's yeah. like Florida beat the hell out of Missouri. Why couldn't you? And it's like, they're not the same thing. Like going to play in the swamp, Florida and Georgia. Yeah, exactly. what's well, like going to play in the swamp against that Florida team is not the same as getting Georgia in your house in a primetime game. Like those are not the same. Exactly. And and like in college college sports period basketball, we know this. Like road games, like the biggest home field home court home field advantages in college sports, right? Like that's yeah. the biggest well, advantage. Like yeah. and that's why we see most upsets, right? Number one team loses to a middle of the road. Like we see this in college basketball. Duke Duke basketball does this every year they'll go to they'll go play clemson at clemson and they'll lose they're the number one team in the country and they'll lose to a you know a, a 500 clemson we see this all the time in college sports like like is that, put that in no championship like that yeah, is that's their game like to beat to beat georgia like missouri put everything they had Missouri could have beat Georgia, never won a game for the rest of the season, and Missouri had a successful season because look at look at Miami. We lost to Middle Tennessee State. That was their game. Now they're on. Everyone knows Middle Tennessee State now, and you know what happened? They lost last week. They got. I I think the University of Texas San Antonio, whatever they're called, in in Conference USA, like they lost by fifteen. You know, but that was their game. It don't matter what happens. They could they could lose every game from now on. But guess what? They beat Miami. They won the Miami. They're circled on their schedule. They, they circled won. that game. Miami. Okay. Oh, Miami thinks they go. Well, we're gonna win by twenty. But they came into the house and they had like what three, four, five, eighty yard. Like it felt like they had five eighty yard plays. That was their game. It don't matter anything else. They beat Miami. Now everyone's talking about oh, oh Miami. Oh, they they trying to fire Mario Cristobal already. <laughs> he just got here. Yeah, They're talking about, about Lane Kiffin. Oh, we should have hired Lane Kiffin. You know, I'm like yo. Like it's crazy. Like it, the overreactions are crazy too. Like 
it's over like overreactions in college football are wild too. College like, sports, there's more passionate fans. Like I, yeah. I really feel like the fandom in college sports, especially college football, is more overreactionary and more like you know, because a lot of these people go to these schools, have ties to these schools. Like it's a little bit different than NFL franchise because you know pretty much everybody who's a fan of these franchises have no ties. Ain't no most people or very few, and I'm talking about 0.01% worked for the New York Giants. So what you know, like how much invested, how overreactionary am I gonna be to the New York Giants as opposed to like, oh, I attend Ole Miss, I go to school at Ole Miss, my homeboy plays on the football team at Ole Miss, you know, like I go to every game on every home game on Saturdays against uh, at Ole Miss. So so Chris, before we move on to Ole Miss. Just what was one of your biggest takeaways? I know we kind of got off track a little bit. Break in, break in with a little bit of news real quick. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, now, according to according to Adam Rittenberg at ESPN, Louisville is going to fire Scott Satterfield if they lose on Saturday. So oh, not man. news yet, but, I mean, they're, it's a game that they're only slight favorites in, and they're talking about making a move. Like, they've already written the game down as a potential L, and, like, we're getting ready. Like, we've got the money in hand ready to fire this guy. So – just throwing that out there because that's a power five job that comes open. So another job yeah, that Deion Sanders yeah, five, five. And I want to ask you guys that what's the best? Well, we could talk about that later. But what's the best available job at the moment? We'll talk about that later, though. Oh, it's yeah, Wisconsin so, by a by a lot. We'll talk yeah, about I, it. Later. I think it's Wisconsin by a long shot. I think if you say Nebraska, it's because you're still like I feel like you have to be fifty. 45 plus today it's Nebraska. I think it's Wisconsin because I mean just think about it. They've they've been competitive in the Big Ten. They've played in a couple Big Ten championships. They're always in that conversation on that side of the Big Ten. Um, so and the Big Ten's about to expand. The Big Ten's probably gonna do with away with East and West, and just the two best teams will play each other. That in the should Big be the case. That should always be the case. Yeah, the and they always have the Yeah, they always have the talent. Um you know, they, they play a different brand of football, but if I was a coach and I'm looking at, like, Wisconsin, like, there's plenty of talent over there. If I'm a well-named well enough head coach, I could easily keep a lot of the, the guys that are already there with a the transfer portal weren't get huge. I could recruit pretty easy, and it's not hard to sell on Wisconsin, especially once you hire a recruiting staff, which Paul Chris didn't have, and especially once you decide to spend more That's money. Crazy, than, man. What? Who, who, ECU, East Carolina University. Spent more money on their recruiting class than Wisconsin did. So let's go spend a little bit of money. Just say it. Let's like let's go ahead and say this. Anything other than Lance Leopold at Wisconsin is a complete and utter failure. I mean, like that's it's hand it's tailored to him. He coached at Wisconsin Whitewater and won a bunch of championships. His family loved that area. He's won everywhere he's been. He knows how to recruit that area of the country because he's already done it. Yeah. Anything other than that is a complete and utter failure. You're the best job available on the market. If you promote Jim Leonard from within, which is what a lot of people feel like they're going to do, if That's you the right? yeah, failure, he's the coordinator, yeah, yeah. And the only thing that is scary about the Wisconsin job is the expectations. I mean, Paul Chris never finished worse than second in his division, not a single time. And so, like, if the expectation is, damn, is like second place more often than not going to get me fired. Like, that's the only thing about uh, the Wisconsin job that's scary. But, like, anything other than Lance Leopold would be, to me, would just be an absolute. But if you're Kansas, you can't let him leave. You got to pony up money. You got to upgrade facilities. You can't let that man leave. Wisconsin had – 
Kansas is planning on building their program bigger and taking football serious. But even right now, like just think about if and we'll get into this in a second, but just real quick. If Kansas loses to TCU, it loses a lot of its mojo for the football season right now because that could be the start of, like, all right, Kansas football is mortal like we've always known them to be, where Wisconsin has the money, the facilities, the recruiting ability, and the brand right now to be ready. Like, well, so, and like, man, like, everything for these coaches is just like it is for, like, professional athletes. Like, it's all about, in the end, getting the bag. And, like, this is – he's 58 years old. Like, at some point, you get to the point where, like, if you're going to make a jump to a major, major program, you've got to do it. Like, he's getting to the point – like, he'll get to the point where his age will become a knock against him in the higher – in the coaching carousel. And so, if you're going to make the jump, like, Kansas is – I'm not going to say never, but Kansas probably under any tenure of his is going to be, be unable to match the resources that Wisconsin has. You've already got a bunch of the facilities – you're in a you're in one of the two best conferences in the country. You're a powerhouse in said conference. He can go and he can go there. He's familiar with the territory. Like the Kansas thing is awesome, and like they should build that program. But I sent the thing today. Like they're renovating a hundred and three year old stadium. Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Like it's gonna take time, and so I just think if he's going to make a jump, then he needs to go ahead and do it. Because you all, the other thing you don't do is you don't bet on you don't bet on yourself being able to have sustained success at Kansas. You don't bet on yourself and wait for better jobs. Like it, like the Wisconsin job seems like a perfect fit for him, which makes the Nebraska hire really interesting. But um, I think like I mean I like I would be I'm not gonna say I'd be surprised. I if I were a Wisconsin fan and they didn't hire Leopold, I'd be pretty disappointed. Yeah, and that seems like the most obvious hire. So, because we got off track uh, of talking about last week, sorry, Walker, we're skipping your old miss this week uh, from last week. So, yeah. so sorry, but uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna dive into this week. So, we'll start with Chris, um, and we're gonna kind of our favorite matchup this week. Chris, starting with you, going into week six, there are some big games that could be very telling for the rest of the college football season. So for you, what is the the key matchup to be paying attention to in week six? Okay, so minus, you know, watching my team play North Carolina, which is I think is a big game for us um, playing against a high-powered offense. It's to me, the, it's Kansas-TCU, man. I think this is a massive game for Kansas. I mean, if they could win this game, I mean – now we're talking, you know, we talk, we, you mentioned before, like if they lose how, all right, back to Kansas being Kansas, but if they win this game against the top, you know, 20 team, this could change a lot going forward. And like, how far up do they go? Like, I know it's Kansas and we're not used to this, but like, I'm, this is exciting time. And I mentioned this, we mentioned this before, like in the chat, like the, the basketball schools that are been known to being, putrid in football like duke and and kansas like the blue blood schools kentucky Mm -hmm. like they're finally catching up like they're finally taking football serious like duke has been like if you look at it's it's like it's like a luxury apartment with duke basketball and then it's like the projects with duke football and like this like they finally they get themselves a real coach they finally take it serious, and we're seeing that with Kansas too, right? Kansas, they won the national championship in basketball. They're the national champions. 
like I never understood why there was this there's like such a gap between pro like programs that have like historic football basketball teams and then their the the football basketball team is so bad. Like mm-hmm. I never understood why Duke was so bad. Like they like it's an historic school yet you know they just the, the stadium looks like it's a generic you know, stadium, like, it's like the most basic, like when you pick a stadium and try to, and like, eh, let's pick the most basic bowl, little bowl. And that's it. Like they're, they're putting money into the, like, and I see with my team, like Miami, like they finally put them up. It's funny when you invest <laughs> what the good things happen and you invest in your facility, your coaches and all that. And that's the thing, but like, I'm looking forward to Kansas TCR. I'm, I'm thinking think, Kansas think is kind of like, like everyone's Cinderella. Like everyone's rooting for Kansas. You think like, they're going to win the game? Fun. I don't know if they win. <laughs> that's the thing. But I that's probably other than like Miami and Carolina, which for, that's for personal reasons for my team. But that's the one game I'm looking forward to. I think, I, I'm rooting for Kansas to be good. Like it's 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 fun. It's it's fun. Story. I hate to be like I hate to be the dude, but I think Saturday is going to go really poorly for them. And I, and I could see that. But I'm I'm still and I'm still looking forward to it. I I, I feel like this I mean, is I'm looking game. forward to game They're gonna day. Be, right? Isn't isn't um isn't um. It's in game day going to be there. Like game it's, it's, it's a big, I'm looking big forward to the them. environment. I do think like I'll I'll go I'll go to this place. I think TCU is the most underrated team in America right now, and like I think we're still doing that, like because we're waiting on Texas to kind of pop back up with yours, and like we're kind of like the Kansas thing has been really fun, and so TCU just kind of keeps like beating the piss Bye out under of the me. radar. Yeah, yeah. just. And under the radar, Oklahoma comes to town. Let's beat them by 31 real quick. No, they, 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 oh my God. Dismantle. Banner Bulls is the defensive guy, and they put it. I know. And like, they, and like, Oklahoma's got problems, but they don't have that many problems. Um, Like, TCU's just legitimately got, they've got dudes. And so I just, I think TCU's going to come in there with that high flying offense and just score a bunch of points. And what I worry about with Kansas is I think that Leopold did a great job of scheming things up, like because there wasn't a lot of film on Jalen Daniels and that offense. But now there is. And we saw last week that when when really good head coach, a really good head coach got to game plan for that offense, they were able to kind of keep him in check. Like they like Kansas was able to do enough to win the game, but 14 points is winning is not winning you in many games, especially mm-hmm. not in the Big 12. So yeah. I do think – and, like, Iowa State missed, like, three field goals. Like, Iowa State had his, had plenty of chances. They should have – and we talk about the idiot kickers. They should have won that game. Yeah, and so that's why I'm kind of like, you know, TCU is an even further step up in class. And I just – I kind of just think TCU's team speed will be a little bit much. You think uh, one of these quarterbacks get in the Heisman race if they win? I don't think so. Duggan didn't even have a claim on the starting job when they start, like when they started the season. Daniels probably would, but um, Duggan didn't even have a full claim on the starting job. I think that they would have to win a few more games, and like they play Oklahoma State next week, so TCU goes to Lawrence and then comes back to Fort Worth to play Oklahoma State. So I think that if you saw TCU go like blow Kansas out in Lawrence in that scene, and then they came back and beat Oklahoma State. And he played really well in both games. I think we would start having some Max Duggan conversations. But like I think everybody's playing for second in that race right now. I mean, if we're being completely honest, and unless Ohio State starts losing games, CJ Stroud's gonna win the Heisman. Yeah, he, he seems yeah, like the runner by, by that, far. It, it, Yeah, if you look at the betting odds, um, it seems not even close. So Walker, before I go to you, I I'm a I'm a go, I'm a keep I'm gonna be in the SEC. 
And there's two games, but maybe this gets covered. We'll talk about it in a second. I think Tennessee LSU, I think, is a huge game this weekend. Um, yeah, LSU is four and one. You said what? I said that was mine. Yeah, I'm really oh, excited okay. to watch this. So, so I think, but I, I first off, here's when I thought it was going to be good. First off, LSU hasn't lost since losing to Florida State in Week One. Doesn't look like a bad loss anymore with Florida State being four and one at this point in time. Have, coming into a big game, they're not ranked, but that doesn't look like a bad loss. Florida State has looked like a viable team. Tennessee could make a statement. I've seen a lot of see now we get to see like the I've seen a lot of LSU fans, a lot of LSU fans, and a lot of SEC Twitter complaining about an eleven o'clock kickoff in Baton Rouge this weekend because right. they're used to playing that two thirty, three thirty, or whatever. And this goes back. This takes me back to when me and Walker were talking about the Alabama Texas game. And you remember Walker? What was the key point I said about Alabama? I asked the question. I didn't really say, like, I didn't make the statement that it will, but I asked the question. You asked if, it, if that was the reason. That, yeah, did they have trouble like, getting up? Yeah, like, will they have trouble? This is a team who plays at 3.30 or night games. Will they have trouble playing at 11 o'clock? Because when they played in Texas, it was in Austin at 11 a.m. Central Time, 12 p.m. Eastern, and teams like that typically play at, like, 3.30. So I've seen a lot of LSU fans kind of complain. Not I don't want to say complain, Bro, but I don't want to like I like I'm tired of hearing about the 11 a.m. kickoff complaining from all these schools. Ole Miss played a top 15 matchup at 11 o'clock last week. Like it's happening to everybody. Just Georgia last year when they played Arkansas and both teams were undefeated in the top 10, they played at 11 a.m. I don't want to hear it. Everybody's doing it. Get with the program. Everybody's playing. Yeah. You're but not. Saying, it seems like a cop out. I'm just saying it is a cop out, but I'm just saying like when I brought that up for Alabama, I'm like, hey, they're not used to this. So it could it play a factor. I'm not saying it would be the oh, fact. No, I understand what your point is. Like these are two separate things. But yeah, like, yeah. I like do I'm think saying, could it play a factor? And so when I look at Tennessee, this is a high powered offense. LSU's defense has looked a lot better. Their offensive line is still a cause for concern. Uh, Jaden Daniels running the ball, being the leading rusher, has been a cause for concern for LSU's offense. Um, I think Booty is coming back this weekend. Um, and I think, and I said this, I think this could be the game where Kayshawn Booty being one of the top, look, looked at going into the season as one of the top receivers in college football. I think if there was a time where I pointed out that he should and could have a huge game, it's against Tennessee's defense who can be got because that's not their strong point of winning games. And so I think this could be a point where I'm not saying this is a shootout. Both teams score 40 something. But if you told me that at the end of the score, whoever won, won 35, 31, and there were a lot of yards of offense, I would not be surprised for the simple fact. I know Tennessee has a high powered offense and I know like their defense can be got. And I know LSU has enough players on the offensive side of the ball to get a defense that can be got. So I'm looking at this because a lot of people have killed Brian Kelly going to the SEC, and he wasn't that guy at Notre Dame. But his team is ranked right now, playing a top-10 team at 4-1. and one. He has an opportunity to make a statement. I would imagine, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine a lot of potential LSU recruits will be in Baton Rouge at this game, and this could sway a lot of commitments. I'm not saying that these guys go to this game and commit on Sunday, but I'm saying the atmosphere, we know what LSU is like, we know what Baton Rouge is like. 
if they win this game, I think that could sway a lot of the guys who are borderline. They got their final four, whatever LSU is in there, that it could get them a couple of those guys sooner rather than later and at least get their commitment, have the potential of building on off of commitments and kind of start really ignite the Brian Kelly era at LSU. So that's a big reason why I'm paying attention to this game because LSU has an opportunity to upset Tennessee in Baton Rouge, and that could be a big statement game for BK and the BK era at LSU. But I won't call a winner a loser. Um, I got some ties to Tennessee. Mom's from Tennessee. She a big balls fan in that side of the family. So I want Tennessee to win, so I'm not going to call a winner. But at the same time, like I think this could be a statement game for the BK era at LSU, and I think we will have a different conversation about Brian Kelly and his tenure in LSU up to this point than we did when they lost that game against Florida State in week one. So, Walker. If they they can run the football, which Tennessee has proven or has shown, like you can run the football against them. If if LSU can run the football and the pass rush eats, then they're going to be able to win this game. Like, I mean, now like that's one, that's pretty much one key on either side of the ball there. Like I think that the pass rush has to eat because you can't let Hendon Hooker sit back there all day, all day. And that system that they're running, if you let them sit back there, then it's going to be a problem. And then you've got to be able to run the football against them because part of what you do against those high-tempo offenses is as much as possible you want to slant that time of possession and keep that defense on the field and just wear those guys out, especially against a team like Tennessee where, like, yes, it's a very good team, but they're not a program that has a ton of talented depth yet. Like, it's not a two and three deep like the Ohio States and the Bamas and the Georgias where, like, five-star linebacker is just kind of come running off the sideline with fresh legs. So you want to, like, you want to tilt that time of possession as much as possible, and then you want to get pressure on the passer and create negative plays. It also – that'll also kill the tempo for Tennessee's offense to an extent. So I think those are two, like, major, major things for LSU. Um and I actually think the crowd's going to be fine. Like, I think the crowd's going to be electric. Like, I mean, oh, 11 a.m. kicks are equally as electric as nighttime kicks. It's just the atmosphere is not, like, or the, like, the visual atmosphere. The, vi- not what the you visual. Would. It's the yeah. visual. It's not. I think so, that's why people are complaining. Because people, it we is, love that nighttime atmosphere. People think it's louder. People think it's louder or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. really not. It's actually louder at 11 a.m. Because the people who are in the stadium haven't been drinking all day. And they're not coherent enough to yell. So, like, you're actually louder at 11 a.m. So, like, and if LSU gets up, I actually think Brian Kelly had a lot of success at Notre Dame. Like, I know he didn't win a national championship, but, like, that program has – He did, though. He really did. did. That program has restrictions on it. It's hard to win there. It's it's hard to win there. All the restrictions they have with far as, like, academics and all that, like, he he, he did a hell of a job. And they're slowly but surely at LSU getting better. Like, they're not just – they probably didn't deserve – they probably, oh, yeah, and they probably didn't deserve to win against Auburn, but they did. They found they a way. Mississippi State's good now. They beat them by two yeah. scores, and, like, that's another team that's got a big game this week. They beat and Texas A&M, right? Mississippi State last week, right? Mississippi State clapped A&M last week, and they've got Arkansas yeah. this week, and they're favored by, like, nine. Like, that's a good team. Arkansas and they beat them by two scores in Baton Rouge. Huh? Arkansas is disappointing. They are, and I think they're about to quit. Um, but yeah, like I think. And, <laughs> Wait, quit on their coach? No, 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 no. I just mean like this team for this season. I think is about to fold. They're super injured. 
they're about to lose their third straight game. Then you have to turn around after you lose your third straight game in Starkville to what is let me let me phrase this correctly because I have Mississippi State friends. What is perceived to be the doormat program of the SEC West? That's that is the perception. And so you will go down there and they're probably gonna get blown out. And then you've got to turn around and try to rally your team again and be like, all right, guys, we've got to get ready because we've got to get on the plane and go to Provo this week. <laughs> and I feel like at that point you're just like, man, what the hell? Man, we've got three losses. No. We've got the to go SEC, to man. we've got to go play in the mountains this week. <laughs> like, bro, come on. And Damn, like man. I expect BYU to lose to Notre Dame this weekend, and they're gonna be pissed off coming back. And I think like I think Arkansas lose go ends up on a four-game losing streak. I think they lose this week. I think they lose to BYU. And at that point, that's where you get into that thing. And it's like, at some point, your team is just going to fold just because it's kids. I mean, at some point, you just get beat up. You're hurt. You're injured. I like Sam Pittman, too, man. I think I like he's him. a really good coach. I think he's managing the program well. They're recruiting pretty well. I just think it's really hard for coaches to keep teams together when stuff goes that drastically wrong. And you're talking about heartbreaking shit too. You're not talking about just getting beat. You're talking about like kicker kicks one off the top of the upright against Texas A&M. And then you're talking about quarterback gets hurt against Alabama. Cause like their quarterbacks hurt and probably not playing Saturday. And so yeah. like, you're like, it's stuff like that where it's like, it's not just the L's it's how you're losing. It's yeah. what comes as a result of you or like what happens in the losses it's just that type of stuff is continuing to stack. And just, I mean, in this sport, we just see teams all the time where it's like, man, like, it's just not our year. Like, this is just not our year. And they it just, was supposed to be their year, too. That was the crazy it, thing. It, it was. was and, I think they, and I think they were a really good football team early in the year. But then everybody got hurt, The second, which made everybody in their secondary got hurt. So it's trash. And then, and then they've just had other problems. Like, I talked about preseason a lot with Arkansas that I wanted to see their defensive line play because it was rumored to be not good. Well, it's not good. And so then everybody in your secondary gets hurt, and a defense that has no pass rush and a bad secondary ain't stopping anybody. They are not stopping anybody. And so I just – I do think that they are getting to the point, which is music to my ears, because Ole Miss has to go play them late in the year. I hope that they've, like, folded up the tent and just, like, put it in the closet and been like, all right, Muzz, it's your turn now. Like – Let's move on to basketball. But yeah. <laughs> oh, but back to Walker, we gotta talk about Arkansas basketball. We talk we about will. Basketball. We will. Um, but yeah, I back to but just kind of completing the circle. But Tennessee LSU, those are the couple things LSU has to do to win that game. Um they beat some quality opponents, so this would be no different. It would just be their uh it would be their second quality win. They lost to what appears to be a pretty good Florida State team at a neutral site. It is what it is. They lost on the last second, like a last second deal. It is what it is. They, I give him a lot of credit for the first game of my tenure. We get an extra point block block to lose. So how do we respond? We just go start winning games. And that's all they've done since then. They got it back. They bounced back. They've started winning games. And, you know, they're fine. So I, I expect it to be really good. I actually expect it to be not low scoring, but lower than like probably the experts think. Like, I think the implied score is, like, 35-31 based on the odds. And, like, I could see this game being played, like, 28, um, like, 31-28, 28-24. Because I think LSU is going to be able to control time of possession and keep their offense on the field. So Yeah, Tennessee's defense ain't good, so I could see that, too. 
Yeah, so real quick, um, before we close out here, Walker, what is your game to watch since I stole yours? I'll go to I'll go Texas, Oklahoma. Um what the hell? Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, have you not watched this game for the last like five years? I don't care. I'm not watching it. Like I don't Dude, care. 11 a.m. 11 a.m. on Fox, big noon Saturday. It'll be the highest get rated game of the week. The you got Quinn Ewers like back. A Fox what the hell are we talking about here? You got, you got Quinn, you Quinn's back at the uh, <laughs> back, uh, playing quarterback. So Texas is going to be fully healthy. No more excuses. Ooh, Don't okay. hear it. Time to it's time to go. They're playing an Oklahoma team that has now lost two games. Desperation spot. You are absolutely going to get everything they have on Saturday. And you know Oklahoma's as motivated for this game as any game left on their schedule because it's other than Bedlam and even maybe more so than Bedlam, this is the biggest rivalry game on their schedule. So they're going to get up for this game and Texas is going to be healthy. I think you can see two teams that were profiled as preseason top 10 to 15 teams playing at their absolute A-plus peak performance. And if you get that from those two teams, then it's going to turn into like a – a 41-38 shootout, just absolute instant classic game. And people will say, I'm not going to watch that game. But when you check the score at 1230 on Saturday and it's like 24 to 24 with like with like a quarter left to go, then you're going to be like, let me go check out what's going on over here. And that's exactly how the that's exactly how college football fandom works. When Tennessee LSU is dragging and you're tired of watching LSU run the ball for four yards of play, you're going to be like, let me go see what these cats got on the other side of the, like on the other channel over here. And so I think it's going to be that game this week. I expect Oklahoma to give their absolute best shot. This game is always close. It's a rivalry game that is historically absolutely unpredictable. The best Oklahoma team or some of the best Oklahoma teams have lost to bad Texas teams, bad or good Texas teams lose to Oklahoma happens all the time. So I'm all in. It's a rivalry game. I grew up on living in that area. It's one of my favorite games of the year. They play it in the old Cotton Bowl. So I'm like, I'll be tuned in. I'll be locked in for that one. I'll have Tennessee LSU on the second TV. Um, but on my big screen with the volume on, it will be like Oklahoma, Texas will be on. I gave a compelling argument. Nobody's <laughs> <laughs> trying to watch that bullshit. Like, oh, Shannon Sharp, my bad. Oh, no, I watched that. I watched it that, that. It was either that or the UCLA. I watch that bull dive. <laughs> it, uh, it was either that or the UCLA Utah. Uh, That's what I was hoping game. you would go. Like, the, like no. UCLA Utah, two ranked teams, Premier. U- Utah plays USC, USC next week. So they get they can actually have on their schedule where they run through Southern California, the two Southern California teams who are really good at this point. Back to back weeks. No, <laughs> he, he left. He had to leave. I thought that's where he was gonna go. I get in this big football. I, I know, like the Red River rivalry is great and all this, but at the same time, like I don't give a damn. Alabama, it's not as sexy as this. It's bro, not as sexy as it used it's to be. Not because, bro. You know, every Pac-12 team plays this weekend, and you know this is the only game. Where there's a non-ranked pack, two non-ranked pack or, or Big Twelve. There's two non-ranked Big Twelve teams playing at the same time. Like you, you, you realize it's that, right? Premier, it's like, the two premier like, schools in the, in the conference. 
Yeah, like you you realize that, right? Like we're watching a Big 12 matchup where like every Big 12, there's a no Big 12 team plays unranked matchups except for Texas and Oklahoma. But real quick, so before we close out, Utah, UCLA, premier matchup. Utah plays USC next week. If Utah wins this game against UCLA, it will be arguably Utah's number 11. Could be a top 10 showdown against USC. I think this is huge for Utah. I think if there's a team that could really get, I think these are two teams that if anybody could beat USC right now with what they got left on their schedule, it is one of these two teams. I think Utah is more the likely of the team to be able to beat USC as opposed to UCLA. But I think this is a premier matchup. So before we close out, we'll just pick the winner. I'm taking Utah. Walker, who you got? UCLA. You're taking UCLA. So why why are you taking UCLA? Why? I just like the way they match up. I like the way that they can explosively run the football. I like the fact they have a veteran guy at quarterback. So when you play a defense like Utah's, you've got a guy that knows his reads, knows what he's doing. They've been explosive. They made a lot of plays on defense against Washington um, a couple weeks ago. You've got Utah traveling to UCLA. So even though UCLA doesn't have a home field advantage, they at least don't have to get on a plane. Um, so, I mean, I, I just like I like UCLA here. Um, and I'll go ahead and say that both of these teams beat USC this year. So USC finishes in two losses, losing to both of these teams at a this matchup on Saturday. At least two losses. Stamp it. You heard it here from Walker. They lose to Utah next week and lose to UCLA at the end of the year during rivalry week. I don't think I don't think they're very good. I they I think they've been highly exposed. I'll say that much. Chris, Utah, UCLA, who wins the game? I'm gonna pick Utah because I had them in my final four in my uh playoff. So So did I. I, I had them as I had them as number four, and I still think they could. Like just because they're a one loss team, like Clemson could cough one up. You know, I, I don't know if that happened. One of those teams are going to cough point, up in that top at five. some point. I have to give Clemson their flowers, though. Like I've been basically being like they're going to lose. This team's not that good, but they just keep winning. They went they to win, Raleigh. Last, they just yeah. went to Raleigh last week. That that was a prime upset spot. Nah, man, we went and. Handle business. We, Never we need to stop playing number twenty because number twenty gets cooked every day. Well, their secondary, day. their secondary is not great, but at some point well, we got to give them four though. Yeah. That yeah. front four is is pretty nasty. Yeah, but their secondary is so bad that the front four starts to work their move, and the DB is already ten yards behind the receiver. Yeah, that yeah, that secondary, and we've seen that in the Wake Forest game. So, now, like, that's why I think Clemson gets exposed in like a playoff setting. Because like you get a like oh, they a, get rocked in the playoffs. They're playing Georgia Ohio or Alabama or Ohio State. Clemson rocked. and Ohio State right now. Ohio State yeah. scored no, six. Clemson has no because Clemson won't be able to come back. They're not they're not built to come from behind. So I know, but but at some point though, we do have to give them some credit and be like, no, no, trying to tear this program they down. A lot of their they fixed a lot of their issues. Like even I know Clemson like looks a little scary defensively, but. If you would have told me that a team could score 51 points on them going into the season, there's going to be a team that scores 51 points on them. They lose that game and they lose that game miserably, but they've turned down their turned around their biggest flaw, which was their offense. So I do got to give them credit. I've, I've, I've given them plenty of credit. I've given DJU his credit. He's starting to play like a really good quarterback. I still won't put that great word in front of him yet. But he has plenty of time to prove it. But he has been playing like a really good quarterback. But preseason, if we would have said, hey, there's going to be a team that scores 51 on Clemson, everybody would have been like, oh, they lose 51 to 20 
in that game because the offense isn't able to produce enough. So you made some plays last week against NC State. That was a nice move he made. You got to give them their flowers for fixing essentially their biggest flaw and their biggest question mark, which was DJU and being able to. Number one thing, man. If they fixed them, then they were going to be back. Before we go. Before we go, let's each let's each put one team on upset alert this week. Give me an underdog. Let me look, let me look, let me look at the schedule quick. And if it's an uh, underdog that is favored in Vegas, it doesn't count. An <laughs> underdog that's favored in Vegas? No, I'm no, taking- no, 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 no. If it's an underdog in, that is favored in Vegas, so like Notre Dame is laying three and a half points, like that's not an upset. Like just somebody who you think that's off the radar that could go down this week. I'll start if you want me to start. Yeah, you go. You go. I know where you're about to go. Go ahead, though. Where no, maybe you may know. Go ahead. <laughs> Spencer Rattler's getting right this week. Never mind. I did not oh, think you were going to. South Carolina, Kentucky's going to lose. Kentucky's going to lose the Ole Miss game. Kentucky's going to lose the Ole Miss game twice. They're going to. Will Levis is questionable. May not play. South Carolina is going to go in there. We're going to see them play their A plus game. They've lost a bunch of games in a row to Kentucky. It's a motivating factor here. Kentucky, an emotionally exhausted team that's just not super explosive offensively. South Carolina is going to go in there and get their win. So you want me? You all right? So I'm gonna go down this road. There's two games I'm looking at, but I'm I'm gonna take the road less traveled. USC. USC upset alert against Washington State. That's where I thought you were going. Uh, USC is on upset uh, upset alert. If the Washington State team that showed up against Oregon shows up against USC, USC loses that game because I'm going to tell you why. Uh, USC causes turnovers. A team that lives, a team who lives defensively off causing turnovers means the minute you can't cause a turnover in a game, you lose that game. And Washington State has shown that they can score points. They lost 44-41 to 41 against Oregon. So if, if Washington State can offense can show up that way and USC can't take away the ball, I'm going to say Washington State would beat or at least to, down to the very last second have USC on upset alert for that reason because USC is eventually not going to be able to create turnovers. And the minute they can't create turnovers is the minute their defense gets got. They've already come close two weeks in a row. They've skated by and won by like 13 points in another game. So I'm going to put Washington State has USC on upset alert. I can buy it. I can buy it. I know a lot of people that I know a lot of people that think that's going to be tight and I just can't get there. I, I'm starting to believe that there's some voodoo magic involved with USC where they just force everybody to play bad and nobody wants to play good against them. So it's kind of scary. But I, yeah, so I'm staying away from Washington State needs to, if, they, if they, the performance they put on against Oregon, if they show up that day, the team that can score 41 points on a Pac 12 defense, they show up that day, USC loses. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. They should have one loss already. They should have lost to Oregon State. Exactly. I was pissed watching that Oregon game. Oregon scored 21 points. They went I pissed in. off the I pissed off the resident USC fan in the chat at, at OTBN that night. Like I was legitimately like rageful watching that game. Yeah, it was a bad game. So Chris, before we close out, upset alert. Uh, I'm gonna go Vanderbilt. Oh, no, I'm oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I knew that we'd get Walker out. Um I don't I don't I, I'm going to go Arkansas, Arkansas, Mississippi State. I think, uh, you know, like we talked about before, this team was supposed to be like on the up and up come this year. And I think, I think they could, 
if, if, if I'm looking at, I don't see a lot of games that I see that can, that I, I'm going to like predict an upset. But uh, oh, if, I, if I had to, if just a little gut feeling, maybe I could, I could feel, I could see Arkansas upsetting Mississippi State. So I'm going to go with Arkansas. Yeah, yeah, and then I pick another one. I'm picking State. Those Leech teams love to lose those types of games, man. Yeah, and I feel like everyone's on the Mississippi State bandwagon. They just had a big win over Texas A&M, and like those teams yeah. tend to, you know, uh, fall off after you know a that, big uh, win and all that. That so. Egg Bowl, that Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night between Ole Miss and Mississippi State is going to be something. That's, that's going to be. That's going to be a great A college football game. I'm not excited. The headlines from the coaches that's going to be fun. Just as just like yeah, that's going to be that's going to be an amazing. Well, the people here, the people here hate it because they both really like each other, and that's yeah, like. But also, it seems like with Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the team who's the better team loses each year. Like whoever's the better team seems to lose each year. Yeah, last year was kind of one of the weird ones that bucked that trend. Ole Miss was the better team and found a way to win, and like. Yeah, usually isn't like that. Like usually, and home field matters a lot in that series. So, um, you know, Ole Miss has won, I think, like maybe three of the last five or four of the last five. So they're kind of due for one. They're kind of due for a dud. I'm kind of dreading. I'm kind of dreading it. Yeah, but so that closes out Phil Stormers episode two. Appreciate everybody for tuning in, listening. The audio will drop later this evening. I'm your host Mo Murphy with my other host Walker Bailey. And we brought in our guy, the president of Off the Ball Network, Chris My LeBron. Everybody have a great Saturday. Everybody gamble responsibly. And we will see y'all next week on another edition of Field Stormers. <laughs>